Remember, if you want to check out things at Accessible Media Inc., you can uh, like the Facebook page, folks. There's all sorts of great conversations, things going on out there. Check it out, if you would. That's the Accessible Media Inc. Facebook page. On Twitter, follow along at AMI-audio so you can see what's happening from segment to segment. Handle is at AMI-audio. Uh, Rumya can also be avail- found on Twitter at AllRams with a Z, and I'm at AMI Kelly Mac. It's time for our book club gathering, so I'll hand things over to your host, Rumya Muthan. Thank you, gals. Yes, this is the Kelly and Company Book Club. We meet on the last Tuesday of the month, and it's our chance and yours and our recommenders to get into the books and authors that we uh, and narrators that we love or don't love. And today's book for discussion is Ristagouche, The Long Run of the Wild River by Philip Lee. And it was recommended to us by AMI communication specialist Greg David, who's here to join the panel. Hey, Greg, thanks for the recommendation. Oh, thanks so much for having me on. And for reading. We're so excited to talk about this. Um, So let's start with what this book is. It got a lot of accolades, I'd say. It was shortlisted for the New Brunswick Book Award uh, for nonfiction. It's also a CBC New Brunswick New Brunswick book list selection. And <laughs> it's been very well reviewed. So why did you decide to pick it up, first of all? Uh, how long ago did you first read it and then recommend it to us? Yeah, I I read this earlier this year, and um, my girlfriend and I are constantly – well, she's actually better at it than me. She's constantly sending me emails or links through Messenger, um, you know, have you read this book? Have you read this book? She's always on the lookout for great books, Mm. um, not only for herself but other people. And she knows um, that I'm into um, reading about nature. Uh, As much as I love fiction, like Stephen King, have you read the new um, Stephen King book? Maybe we'll talk about that next time I come on. Um, when you make your next I'm, recommendation, and and, yeah. and and I saw that when we got this book, I knew as soon as I like, I almost didn't have to ask from you who recommended this because yeah, I knew. knew this is your what we talked about on Voices. What yes. you really like the historical yeah, nonfiction. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so as much as I love fiction, I love nonfiction even more. I love documentaries. And like you said, Kelly, on Voices, geography. I talked about yeah, I talked about Canadian history and geography. And this is all about geography. This is about the 200-kilometer uh, Restigouche River that runs basically along uh, marking the border between uh, New Brunswick and Quebec. And particularly because I live in Quebec now and have been here for two years, right. um, I've just really kind of been fascinated with just this area. And so when she recommended this book to me, I jumped all over it, and uh, I really enjoyed it. It. Yeah, and it's relatively new for you too, where your you know your lifestyle and um, your remote living, if you will. Yeah. Um, so I found that yeah, it, it totally throughout this book, I was thinking yeah, there's real direct reasons why I think Greg picked this book. But here, I'm not going to spend a lot of time trying to um, describe the book to to people who haven't read it. I'm more picking things directly from the book that we can discuss um, because I love the writing a lot. So check out this passage. Mm-hmm. The remarkable thing about Atlantic salmon is that they return to the river where they were hatched. How they navigate navigate their grand journeys from their home waters to the coastal waters of Greenland and back again to spawn, sometimes repeating the trip two or three times, remains a mystery that has led to 
Lots of scientific speculation about how they follow the Earth's magnetic fields and ocean currents and can recognize the chemical composition of water. Um, I find that this is like a bite out of the Discovery Channel, which was awesome. And there was so much like this throughout the book about the beavers and the dams and mm. uh, the birds and all. It was so fascinating. Reversing so, falls. Yeah, the water itself. So, Kelly, did you enjoy these bites about the Atlantic salmon and about er- other wildlife throughout the read? Oh, I love all that stuff. Uh, it, it's funny because people say, well, you're not really much of an animal person, but I love <laughs> wildlife and That's things like that. That's why the question was aimed at you. Well, and I'd never be out there dealing with these bears and stuff <laughs> like that that come along or anything like that. But, um, you know, when they talk about portaging over these great areas to get to other areas, when we talk about the strength of the river and you think, wow, those banks are so high because thousands of years of wearing down. Little tidbits about the fish, like you said, how the composition of the chemical in the water helps guide them to where they're going. That's just natural instinct. The groupings of fish, the idea of what they're doing, how high they're jumping out of the water, or just the multitude at different periods. The going back and forth and knowing what was done and and people who knew how to navigate the Mm -hmm. river, it's many arbitrates. I find that stuff absolutely fascinating. And that's, like I said, when, when the book was suggested, I, oh, yeah, I know what, I, and I already knew, okay, I know what kind of great things are going to be in here that I'll like. You know, it's interesting that you say that, like the people who knew how to navigate the river. And first in the kind of the introduction of the, the whole book, I was thinking, oh, you know, Philip Lee, he seems like he's pro. He knows exactly what he's doing. But then throughout the book, it was oh. fun kind of seeing him fumble and, yeah. uh, you know, look to his companions and be like, help, you know, I nose dove into the Well, And over history, the, right, Greg, the people who, like, and we, we know from our, our history and geography, Greg, the voyageurs and, and mm-hmm. you know, all the business of the Hudson Bay Company and you want to go on and on and on about these things. A fantastic, incredibly uh, gifted, talented, strong people who read the trees, read the sky, read the water, yes. re- uh, knew where to go, and if they got into problems, could walk through snow up to your waist. Just, just phenomenal characters from uh, the 1600s right through to the to the to, you know present time. Yeah, uh, you know, aside from this being a travelogue and, and Philip writing about his own journey because he grew up in the area as a mm-hmm. child and was revisiting it as an adult and wanted to write about the river as he actually paddled it, it's it's a history lesson as well. And, you know, it, it traces the Europeans, the Mi'kmaq, uh, you know, who were there, of course, first and how they worked the land and, and used the river as, as not only travel but also mm-hmm. for food. So yeah. it's just a fascinating, you know, history lesson on the area too and, and, and how humans have interacted with the land in positive and negative ways. Yes. Yeah, very New Brunswick, very the Acadians. Just the history is just phenomenal. Well, the the human aspect of it, you know, how we basically screwed up everything um, yeah. was really just a lot to take in. And uh, here's a quote for a bit of a reality check on human interruption. If the river were 100 years old, it ran free from human interference for its first 99 years. <laughs> All the major disruptions in the water would have come at sur- uh, various times in the last year and the great acceleration of change during the past six months. So something like this, I will remember. You know, the 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 picture that it paints is so vivid to me. It's such an easy way to understand, oh, we screwed up and we did it in such a short amount of time and yet we think we're all that. But for you, Greg, um, 
What do you think of it being expressed this way to talk about how we've interrupted nature's course? Is it more impactful for you to hear this kind of description or were you impacted more by the full historical evidence, the nitty gritty, the details, the dates, the people, the the accounts of everything? I mean, I like both of it. I mean, both, um, you know, the stories after a while, it it got, you know, if I had any criticism, it was, okay, Philip, we get it. We're messing up this river because it was just <laughs> yeah. story upon story upon story, right? Um, you know, even, you know, even having to ask permission to enter the river from um, some, land, some land being owned by the Irving Company. And if anybody knows anything about the Irvings, they, you know, I might be overstating a bit, a bit, but not by much. They really own the East Coast of Canada through oil refineries, forestation, Mm -hmm. uh, paper mills, and things like that. So just the fact that he had to ask permission to enter the land that they owned, this company owned, just so that he could, you know, jump onto the river in in his canoe kind of told me the story. And and the Americans that came, you know, the rich Americans that came to fish uh, because Canada was trying to, you know, get some of those American dollars to come up. And so they, you know, they built these huge huge lodges for, uh, you know, lumber barons and rail barons to come up and spend time there and fish. And, And while pushing the indigenous people off of the river that they'd been using for thousands of years. So, yeah, I mean, I, I like the the 99 years and, the, you know, the last year and particularly the last six months we've messed things up because I did feel guilty after a while reading right. about how we've just continually been messing up this, this watershed. Uh, he poured on the guilt for sure. Yeah. yeah. He really did. And, uh, you know, with all guilt the... Guilt or fear, man. And, and, and well, it, after yeah. every passage or you know he did a lot of summarizing of other articles and uh Mm. things right and after all that i was like oh no and what's next can it get any worse it was really bad but of course it's real right all of this stuff happened and it gives you a huge a, a, a way sharper idea of this um place this river that's meant for so many different reasons um there's a lot of philosophy and geography literature spirituality i particularly enjoyed learning about the Mi'kmaq community and uh the language as well mm-hmm. um aside from the politics and stuff but then again there was also all this actual adventure happening right i loved the stories of him and the voyages and uh, all the different people they were going with the food that they would take on i'm like wow how do they pack all these things um but that was really fun so kels are you this outdoorsy no, I couldn't do all that. I mean, when I was, I shouldn't say that. When I was younger, yeah, oh yeah, I would get a kick out of it. The bugs would be the thing to bother me the most, right? But, you know, the idea Spilled of somebody who knew what they were doing, it doesn't do that well. <laughs> don't don't buy into the book that much. Okay. Uh, you still need the bug gear or whatever in our spoiled world. But the idea of, of, of getting uh, you know in the canoe and going, portaging, I could leave that a little bit. But the one thing that I did want to say that it really is a sign as, as things we're discovered, oh, we're doing this wrong. Oh, we're, we'll fix that. We're, oh, we did this wrong. Fix that. As as different people got involved, it really makes you stop, as you guys were talking about the 99 years, the last six months, you stop and think, well, hold on. If we keep messing up and we're gone because the climate change is likely to get us along with a bunch of species first, we're gone. How long will it take for things to recover? Because mm-hmm. Mother Earth will recover. In its own way, in own time, it may be a long time, but it really makes you see when when people stop doing something ridiculous, filling the rivers and oceans with plastics, for example, mm-hmm. what what rebounding can happen? Will it ever be the same? No, but through history, I guess things change even mm-hmm. without us messing it all up. So I, I felt some of that in this book with as as the descriptions of what was done 
what was kind of undone with the persistence that we're still going to be putting junk in the river and, and taking from it and not returning. But there were those moments of, hey, we know this is the right thing to do. Let's do it. And then after a while, you get bored of let's doing the right thing and start doing foolishness again. Sure. Like the, the straightening of the rivers. That part was fascinating. Oh, yeah, very And how much. they'll always go back to their meandering ways. And um, doesn't know, matter powerful. what you do. That's exactly. it. Exactly. And like you said, it takes time, but it still goes back. How about you, Greg? I remember you saying you had to cut your own firewood now, and it uh, sounded a little <laughs> bit sassy. So are you this yeah. adventurous? <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I think I could probably do a leg of it, like a short little bit of it just for a day to have some fun and maybe camp out at night and then and then kind of shut it down and drive the rest of the way. <laughs> okay. Um, the, the days of being a cub and Boy Scout are far, far behind me. And I like the creature comforts like, you know, Kelly, I think, does, too. Um, but it is fun. I, I, You know, this is my way of, of experiencing it is through the uh, eyes of other authors. And, and, I, and the way that Philip writes this, um, Philip Lee writes this, is that I was able to picture that, that theater of the mind in my head the whole time. Mm, unique people. And a unique river, right? Like, I always yeah. find it so fascinating when you've got unique people, uh, such as the guides and stuff like that, yes. you know, who are, are just, wow, you just do that? Yeah, I went, yeah. Uh, I'll put this stuff here, I'll, I'll be back. What? You wait here, I'll run and put this stuff there uh, two miles away and come back and get you. What? And then we'll head out together. <laughs> like, you know, crazy stuff. And like you said, on the river itself, who is, of course, your number one main character? Mm-hmm. Well, there seems to be a lot of help um, putting this whole thing together, whether it be, you know, all his citations or just the actual human beings who assisted in making sure that trips happen and uh, that somebody was there for emergency. You know, people people seem to do a lot of uh favors is the word that I'm thinking of, but mm-hmm. just interacting to to get the stuff done. Yeah. Yeah, which is nice. Uh, Greg, any last words on some kind of fresh lesson or something that you took away from this that you wanted to highlight? Um, if people are still thinking, maybe I'll read this book, what, what was the reason that you would recommend it? Yeah, I mean, aside from the history lesson, I, you know, the biggest takeaway for me is, like you said, the people that were that he interacted with along the way, whether it was a, you know, a fellow guide or even his family, his wife and daughter joined him for part of the trip, right. along with some friends. I mean, that really breathed a lot of color into the story as well. It could have been very, very dry if it wasn't for the fact that he was actually on the river and experiencing this um, through a new set of eyes, his adult eyes, um, and with friends and, and fellow guides. So I think that that was the biggest takeaway is the human story aside from the history. Agreed. Those are the parts that I really, really, uh, I enjoyed. That that was mm-hmm. like the the relief from all the academia and the shame on us part of yeah. the part yep. of the story. Amazing, Greg. Thank you so much for the recommendations. I'm looking forward to talking Stephen King in the future with you. Going on. <laughs> Thanks so much for having me on. Take this care. Um, we were talking about Restigouche, the uh, Run of the Wild River by Philip Lee. And for next month, we're moving on to technology talk. So the book of choice is After Steve, How Apple Became a Trillion Dollar Company and Lost Its Soul by Trip Mickle. And this is recommended to us by Stephen Scott. Wow, big surprise. Well, of course, it's Stephen <laughs> in the title. Like it's, you know. Exactly. That's the only reason why. It's available in synth audio again. That's two months in a row that we've picked synth audio. But I think it'll suit the uh, genre well to listen in synth audio on CELA, the Center for Equitable Library Access. So I'll tell you a little bit about the book from the Walt Street's, Burn- uh, Walt Street's Journal's Trip Mickle. 
The dramatic untold story inside Apple after the passing of Steve Jobs by following his top lieutenants, uh, Johnny Ive, the chief design officer, and Tim Cook, the COO turned CEO, and how the fading of the former and the rise of the latter led to Apple losing its soul. Author Trip Mickle spoke with more than 200 current and former Apple executives, including Trump administration officials and fashion luminaries, while writing after Steve. His research shows the company's success came at a cost. Apple lost its innovative spirit and has not designed a new category of device in years. Ives' departure in 2019 marked a culmination in Apple's shift, he says, from a company of innovation to one of operational excellence, and the price is a company that has lost its soul. We're discussing this on the last Tuesday of the month, which is the 25th of October at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time. So join us then. add the fact that it really kills me when you hear about the recommendations, people honoring these books, such as the folks that you let off with, a CBC and so on from New Brunswick, and even when we stop and go over to SELA and the recommendations that are there, and people just love to share and say, hey, I read a good book. You should check it out. And at the moment you've read it or you are reading it, it's the greatest book on earth or the worst. Mm -hmm. There you go. We don't know if it's the worst or the greatest yet, though, right? (laughs) Until we read it. Well, yeah, but the person's perspective of who's reading it, them it might be. Uh Awesome stuff. Very good, folks. Uh, We will return in a moment. We'll take a look at what's uh, going on on our show tomorrow and preview now with Dave Brown, uh, their show beginning at 9 9 a.m. in the morning on AMI-tv. We'll be right back.